this out. What's going on? Hey, Brent, you got any crack? No, but I got some good brown you gotta try. Gambler, thief, junkie, killer. It's the bad lieutenant. Uh, the OG, the Abel Ferrara directed, uh, Harvey Keitel starring as the LT, bad lieutenant, 1991. Uh, what, a, what a stark difference <laughs> between these two films. But yeah. at the same time, lots of comparisons. There are, there are. Um, I, I can't. I can't quite recall what all we said of the original Bad Lieutenant when we did Port of Call New it Orleans. It was fun. It was entertaining. I mean, of wild. I think we mentioned, I think we just said that like, we hadn't seen it. Uh-huh. Can't comment on it. We know Abel Ferrar was fucking pissed. Oh, this. Yes. The, oh, okay, okay. See, I'm already getting mixed up. We're like 32 seconds. I don't in. know which Bad Lieutenant to shoot. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, Wouldn't shoot either of them. I, I like them both for all very, very different reasons. They are both uh, humongous pieces of shit. Get oh, that right out yeah. of the way. The, the people, the characters, the lieutenants, the bad ones. The bad lieutenants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Abel Ferrar, he was, he was fucking pissed when he found out it was being remade. He oh, was yeah. saying, like, you can't remake that. Can't remake that. You can't do what we did. Yeah. Um, although, I guess, uh, later on... Uh, uh, Abel Ferrara and Werner Herzog met up, and I it was probably you know I imagine Abel being taken with uh, Herzog's just chill ass candor, brutalist German candor. Yeah, it He's was probably like I, uh, they apparently made up. I, I want to say like, that are pretty cool we, now. We might have touched on it on our other Bad Lieutenant episode, which if you haven't listened to that, go check that out and check out that movie uh after you watch this you know it's it's cool to kind of see that it's very odd to kind of go inverted uh <laughs> for me like this is the first time i'm ever seeing the harvey Keitel uh bad lieutenant which i will just now refer to as lieutenant Keitel, as he does not have a last name in this film yeah it's just lt or lou l-i-e-u yeah and then if i am to refer to like the nicholas cage bad lieutenant port of call new orleans malins I'll just name him Lieutenant Cage <laughs> and uh, kind of compare and contrast between the two characters. But yeah, they're, they're very different movies, uh, both enjoyable again, for very different reasons. This was much more serious, much darker yes. and just fucking brutal, man. Yeah. Uh, Yikes. One of the ways I hear it get described nowadays, it's just a, it's a look at a pre gentrified New York. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I've never been to New York, so I can't really I can't comment I on can't that. I can't say I know I can't say I know the city. Right, yeah. But um you know Is this city a character in this film, Brent? You know, if I was in film school I would say that. Yeah. And I was trying to get a good grade. Huh. I I might say that, but that's also just like those words would come out of my mouth and then I would I would uh I'd have to yell at Jesus asking where he's been. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's because I've been living next to a church for the last four years. So as we get into the meat and potatoes, just want to say welcome back to podcast for two people with Brent and myself, Tyler. And uh, today we are looking at Bad Lieutenant. And uh, yeah, wow, what a trip. So let's go ahead and kind of peel the peel it back a little bit. So Harvey Keitel is a father. You can't really call him a loving one. I mean, he's like never there. Yeah, uh, he's never there. The first scene, he's taking his kids to school. Yeah. And uh, sorry to turn on the light. I'm not even gonna. I'm, I'm not even gonna edit that out. It was dark. Um, he's taking his kids to school. And he's like yelling, I'm telling him like shut the fuck up. Uh, giving them shit for like being late. Mm-hmm. 
And then he's yelling at him because they wouldn't kick their aunt out of the bathroom. Yeah. For hogging up the bathroom. And, you know, he's, like, swearing at him. He's like, you tell me, I'll kick her out my fucking self. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, got a real fucking... Well, he's trying to listen to the sports talk, yes. which is uh, uh, pretty much what the whole the plot... The backdrop. Yeah, the plot uh, very much revolves around uh, the stakes of a of a World Series game. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, a World Series game. And um, it's between the Mets and the Dodgers. And, like, that's, like, the whole thing. It's like you can watch Lieutenant Keitel's life literally just de-escalate just spiral out, <laughs> down yeah it is a death spiral the entire time that these games are going and it's just like you kind of hope that they pull through it's like if you've watched adam sandler's film uncut gems you you're pulling for him at some point yeah. while at the same time being like you know he's like this guy's a pile it's yeah like in spite of being like a despicable fucking person how like, do you make a movie with such a shitty person as your main and get your 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 audience 90s, to like dude watch? like pre like twenty fourteen yeah you could still do that yeah without like if 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 this film was made today not to yeah. get all like fucking triggered snowflakes about it but like yeah uh there'd probably be accusations of the director like uh you know condoning everything every single thing that happens in this film right yeah and i mean like there are some pretty wild things that happen in this film i mean like there's i mean like there's content warnings for for rape sexual abuse for obvious drug use just as there was in port of call new orleans though it is way more in your face here yeah. where i'd say that like lieutenant cage was interesting and fun to watch like you knew that like what he was doing as far as the drugs go was bad but like they took an almost like comical like outside of your own fucking head approach to the drug use i would say like the uh herzog's bad lieutenant is like it's more of like a it's like a kind of like a, a like a, a surreal take yeah on the procedural police story yeah yeah um well well this one is more like a, a dark character study right yeah you almost kind of feel like you get to trip through the film with with herzog's lieutenant versus here you're like very much so in a voyeurist position watching this man's life just fucking implode obliterate itself it's like Whoa. Like one bad choice after another one. Yeah. Uh despicable act after another. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a literal fucking deviant, an addict. It's it's a lot of different things. And it's like And he's a cop. Yeah, and he's a cop. One of the worst. I remember thinking, um, back to bring up uh Herzog's uh Bad Lieutenant again. Um, where he'd like show up to the crime scenes like high off his mind and like pretty much everybody knew it. Yeah. And thinking, like, why don't the cops do anything? But then, like, I realized today that was just a very naive thing. Yeah. To to uh, assume. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't snitch on your brothers. Yeah. Back the blue. So, yeah, like, with uh, with Lieutenant Keitel, you don't even really get there, – there's so little police work that's actually done here. Any police work is quickly sidetracked by talks of baseball and yep. gambling odds. Yep. And on top of that, anytime that he is actually doing any sort of police work, it's actually for his own gains. Yeah. He's either like searching a car for drugs that he can take for himself for either personal use or to sell. 
Yeah, yeah. And like there's you see like he is high up there in a chain of various drug dealers and that he is stealing from evidence like Lieutenant Cage was, but like in a way that he has multiple people on the street cutting like kilos of coke and pills to sell. And then of course, you know, taking whatever he wants as well. And then um you have the character Zoe that he likes to partake in these illicit drugs with all the time. And you never really like you don't really see him sleep much. Like he's just like constantly bending back and forth between alcohol and cocaine and crack. Yeah. And heroin. There's a nice scene where he shares a um a lovely evening with a couple of uh, call girls. Yep. And uh yes content warning you might see his dick you do see his dick um well it actually depends on where you watch it let's get that out of the way oh yeah 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 Uh, i believe uh like anywhere it's streaming yep is like an edited version yeah so like amazon uh i want to say we watched it on amazon back way back yeah and there was like it might be on tubi (laughs) (laughs) right yeah yeah uh your smart tv might just have it yeah but there's a lot of um. You kind of spared a lot of uh, a lot of uh, gr- uh grimier stuff. Right. Yeah. There is like a full frontal nudity scene with Kaitel, uh, and then also someone else that we'll kind of get to when we kind of start talking about. I don't know. I guess some of the spoilery stuff. But again, it's this is an older film, which is like you know much more our medium here at a uh, podcast for two people. But um, we watched the Blu-ray version. Apparently, there was an NC-17 unrated VHS version that you could actually rent in movie stores back before, you know, streaming services killed one of the coolest things in the world. Yeah, there was a Laserdisc version. And there was also uh, a bit of a controversy. Um, the uh, the Schoolie D song. Yes. I'm sure all our listeners know about Schoolie D. Yeah. Um, the track Signifying Rapper, which... You can go look. It's on Spotify if you want to go listen to it. Um, it pretty much it's session musicians playing the drums and guitar riff. Yeah, uh, from Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Right, which I believe is also on Spotify. Probably if you want to listen to that. Um, but yeah, uh, Jimmy Page at Led Zeppelin like found out that they were selling this, uh-huh. and it was like, uh uh uh, lawsuits time. Right. And then um, more money. Any any subsequent version of the film uh, did not have that song in it. it and instead, like, it had what? Uh, either nothing, or I which believe, is weird. Yeah, because like it, it, I don't know, it really like fits in with the depiction of New York. Yeah, if you listen to the song, like, and then watch the movie, like, you just see like they 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 go together very well. Yeah. Or but I believe it was it also originally played during the credits. Where instead of nothing, uh huh, or the song, it's a different song by Abel Ferrara. <laughs> yeah, singing, doing his like '60s Dylan blues, right? Like pre-electric, maybe maybe electric Dylan. I don't and know. it's like okay, it's not it's not awful. It's yeah, it's <laughs> different. It's a, it's a guy. It's a guy singing. You know, there's he's got the there. he's got the he's got the singer voice down. Yeah, he definitely does have that. the The jamming is like quite it's lazy very and very yeah, like lo-fi, almost like Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to put it. So, like throughout the film, obviously, you know, like we're watching Lieutenant do all sorts of like terrible, terrible shit. 
Um, and uh, the entire time that this this baseball game is, or this this series of baseball games are going on, we see him like start to lose just so much money, so much money. At first, it's fifteen, then it's thirty thousand. And then it's like sixty thousand, yeah, double or nothing. And then you're gonna put one hundred and twenty thousand on this, or I'm not gonna pay you. And it's like very obvious that this guy does not have anything close to that kind of money whatsoever. I mean, he is he is a, a literal detective at the NYPD, and um, this is the most important thing to him above all other <laughs> things. And it's just like really, really wild to see him using his his line of work to essentially try to further his own means directly and like feed his addictions. Yeah, directly to feed his addictions as well as try to get away from uh, how much, you know, he owes this bookie. I had a teacher who like got fired because he was like breaking into the uh, medicine cabinet in the nurse's office. Oh no, shit! It was like after I'd gone, but um, I did have. Now I want to make a movie about a teacher who's all like epic bacon, right? LOL, and then like sneaks off to like gulp, like wolf down pain pills to, to to be cool with the with the cool kids. And then there's a scene where he's in the principal's office, like what the fuck, man? Like we have to let you go, and he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that is another part. Is that uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant Keitel? It has like a very interesting kind of. It's a very Catholic movie. Yeah, he has a sort of like side development thing that that Cage's character did not at all. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't really there was maybe light depictions of of, of Jesus here and there. Uh, I feel like the most spiritual aspects of the movie was from like the Senegalese immigrants. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, like, like Haitian, I, I can't remember where they were from. Yeah. Meanwhile, like Cage plays like this dude that's just completely out of his fucking mind, like off his fucking gourd, like cartoonishly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which mm, that's which, what we love. Yeah, and that that and it works. Yeah, it, that's us. where the the entertainment of that film comes from. This one is from just seeing like darker and darker and darker shit and just like thinking like in your head like maybe somehow he can still break out of this maybe it'll end in a firefight you know what i mean like right. it's it's gotta be something right and the whole time you're kind of getting this almost like uh like a nod back to like mafioso films you know or like maybe you're thinking like Maybe he's going to have a full mental breakdown portion taxi driver style and we're going to have this giant crescendo. And it, <laughs> the cover of the Blu-ray case might yeah. lead you to believe that, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's like a lot of action in this movie. Yeah, he's got kind of like a Neeson pose. You know, like, like the, the Dirty Harry. Yeah, or yeah, Dirty Harry, even more so Dirty Harry. Yeah. yeah. Like the gun, his hand in and the gun it's are like, two times the size of his head. They're equal size of his body. It's like the true crime streets of LA cover. Oh yeah, it just seems to be black and white with sunglasses. <laughs> or right? like the Hey, like I didn't I didn't call you to talk to you. Put your damn feet on the phone. Gross. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Scritch them dry souls, feet baby. Picks. Feet picks. You will hand them over. 
Yeah, and uh, he does do a lot of really disgusting, sexually deviant shit. Like, he pulls over some girls for allegedly having a taillight out. Uh, They were from Jersey. And then immediately starts questioning them, being like, okay, yeah, these girls are young. They probably don't have driver's licenses. They probably don't have registrations. I can also rake them over the coals and make them think that they're going to get in lots and lots and lots of trouble. Uh, so he tries to get them to do sexual favors for him so that he'll let them off. And, uh, it's a very long, painful, uh, just disgusting and deplorable scene. Nothing like there's no, like, I can't, you can't even say that there's a sex act, but he just, I mean, it's technically rape. Yeah. This is very much rape. Um, it's just very, very fucking out there. And again, painful to watch. I, I think it goes on for like almost five minutes. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the the edited version has that cut down big time, though. You actually don't yes. even see the worst of it. Yeah. It's just like the the lewd, uh, like, it's also, it, It's almost like worse in a way. Cause it, like, for, if I remember correctly, it cut, kind of cuts off and you're more left with like the implication of what he's doing. Yeah. And you don't get all Dennis about it. Like yeah. the implication of what he's yeah, doing. Yeah. The, the implying. And so it's kind of left to your discretion. How bad do you think that Lieutenant? What Kytel do you think is? he means when he says you do a favor for me? I'll do a favor for you. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, oh man, it's wild. And so like that happens. And then the big uh, plot buster, like the the other giant thing kind of ends up kind of coming into view around that time, doesn't it? Sort of. Yeah. So we'll just we'll just go ahead and, and all, put it out there. Off. Yeah. So he's um he's going around doing his fucking scummy ass shit. Yeah, the whole uh case that's like the centerpiece of the film, sort of or I guess a backdrop of the film. Yeah. But kind of works its way like, in with the somehow gambling. even less yeah it's it's almost like even less of a problem to him than the score of a mets and <laughs> dodgers game yeah it's so much less important to him he's a bad lieutenant yeah um i believe we're, we're introduced to it um after his his uh his lovely evening with the ladies um, where we show like an almost dreamlike sequence of a nun being raped in a church. Yeah, yeah. And then that's the case that is everybody's trying to solve. Yeah. Um, there's even a $50,000 reward for it. Put up by the Catholic Church. Now, you had said that apparently. I don't know too much about it. Yeah. Like the details, but it was based on like an actual crime that happened in like Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Not the Gordon Ramsay show. Right. But the actual place that was still called Hell's Kitchen then. Um, back in like 88 or 89, where a nun had been raped. In the church. I believe so, yeah. And um, yeah, there was there was reward money put up. I don't know if it was all by the church. It was actually uh, put up by the mob. Yeah. Like crime families. Which you could totally see. I mean, like a lot of, a lot of uh, even just like portrayed in movies, a lot of uh, different mobsters were... Very much so staunch Christians as well. Like very Catholic? Yeah, Catholic. More Catholic than Christian, I <laughs> should say. Um, it's it's very much so part of the kind of culture of New York as well. You know, and when we uh, see a lot of old cop uh, shows, cop movies, you know, even going as far as Baltimore with uh, The Wire, you know, Catholicism Sopranos. is kind of... And, and Sopranos, yeah. Like very Catholicism is like literally, it's part of the thumbprint. 
of these things. So to see it here too almost makes it even more believable mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit more like, oh yeah, I know what this is. <laughs> it fits. And and so you see this guy wrestling with his own faith, but more or less just being like, fuck it. Like, yeah, I'm Catholic. And then just a disgusting grin. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, just wait for Ash Wednesday. Yeah, I'm And blessed. then all, all will be forgotten. Yeah, I'm blessed. Forgiven. I'm a fucking Catholic. Yeah. I can't be killed. I'm bulletproof. You know, they could, they, y'all could try to kill me, but I've been dodging bullets since I was 14. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking character and a half, this guy. So... When he kind of decides to try and get in on the scene to try and maybe get some information from her or something, it's not even really, you know, there as to why he goes to the hospital after she's been taken in. Yeah, it's it's like a peeping Tom scene for him. Yes. Yeah. Because there is there is a bit of uh, nudity during the scene of the rape, but there's also a bit of nudity in in that kind of point in which he's actually looking in on her uh while she's being examined and they're kind mm-hmm. of going through the evidence and uh yeah he, he's looking with a, a covetous eye you yeah say. oh yeah definitely i mean like he's barely cracking the door open trying not to be noticed and then you know like he just immediately leaves like there's not like he's yeah, not writing <laughs> notes yeah, now that you mentioned, he pretty much like pretty much every woman in the film he like checks out grossly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like every time someone bends over, every time someone puts their back to him, he's staring at their ass. I mean, like the the movie almost directly opens up after he leaves his boys at school. He goes to that murder scene where two women are shot and killed in in their car, two bullets each to the head. Which, by the way. It's like never mentioned again. Never mentioned again. He doesn't work on the case. He showed up and he talked to the guys there about gambling. <laughs> That's the whole reason why he was there in the it's first place. Went there to talk baseball. Yeah. He just, he looks around at everything. By the way, at this point, he's also high as balls and uh, goes in, kind of looks around at everything, leaves, talks to those guys, yada, yada. So after he like walks away, I should actually mention that when he goes to look at those girls in the car. Yeah. Like, it shows, like, part of her face, and then the camera immediately zooms, uh, mimicking his point of view, his vision. Like, goes up from, like, down in the chest. Yep, and then just focuses there on a blood-spattered chest. Um, still fully clothed and everything, but he just sits there and stares at her chest for a while. And then walks away. Like, that is so fucking gross. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, fast forward back. He leaves the hospital that the nun is being examined in and taken care of and immediately just starts driving around New York listening to the baseball game again. It's either sports talk radio or the big game. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And so he's like essentially the whole time trying to kind of plan ahead so that he can get the most out of his bets. And it's kind of funny because the entire time that he's betting, he keeps telling his co-workers to bet for the Mets and like, oh yeah, I mean like when was the last time that, you know, a game like this didn't go on for seven games? You know, like we gotta we gotta milk it for what it's worth. All the jobs that it brings to New York and so on and so forth. Like there's no way. There's no way that they're gonna end before seven games. Just keep betting on the Mets. And 
he doesn't follow his own advice. He goes for the Dodgers, which I'm guessing has a higher payout. Probably. Yeah. Well. At least for winning each game because the higher payout would be, I guess, technically, the Mets winning three to nothing. Or four and oh, rather, as far as the series goes, having completely shut them out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where he he's constantly his own worst enemy over and over and over again. And everybody else is much better for it. And he just keeps spiraling. <laughs> yeah. It's about time, baby. Yeah. So what else you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's 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 really that's really that's, that's really I mean that's, yeah, that's the movie kinda of summed up. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh do we end the spoilers? What uh what uh, what was your favorite scene? Yeah, as far as spoilers go, I think now would be a now would be a good time. So it's kind of hard because I really enjoyed kind of like watching him just kind of like go around and see how many different pies he had his fingers in, mm -hmm. so to speak. And just like kind of leaving it up to the viewer to decide just like how fucking awful do you think this man is? How much worse do you think he could get? And like trying to find rock bottom and every scene is rock bottom. <laughs> and then he just punches through. And he goes further and further and further. And I so I think that overall, just like the 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 character and seeing it devolve in each scene, that's that's kind of like my favorite part. I uh having still kinda had um Protocol New Orleans in my mind. Yeah. I was kept I kept wondering like, is there gonna be a scene where like everything just magically turns around for him? Right. Where like one character who he has problems with leaves and then another character comes in right. and says that like everything's cool now. Right. <laughs> and then he gets like pinned as a fucking hero. Yeah. After he plants his lucky crack pipe on a crime scene. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen here. No, it really fucking doesn't. Instead, like, he kind of gets exactly what you think that he would get. Like, you're like, oh, well, if this wasn't a movie, he'd get his comeuppance. Yeah. Oh, he fucking gets a comeuppance. And it's it's fucking strange how it all kind kind of comes to be. For one thing, the nun she he he spies on her in confession. Again, like if you are you know uh, of the Catholic faith, this is probably a movie that you know if you're a staunch Catholic, you're probably not listening to podcasts for two people. <laughs> I'm just going to make the assumption. But uh, you know if if you're uh, into theology and you just you, 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 there's some things you don't fuck with or, or whatever. Honestly, he I have does a lot of blasphemous shit for being a Catholic. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say that, like they sort of like for a particular scene that they really um kind of feel what he went through at a certain scene. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. we'll talk about here in a bit, I'm sure. Yeah, and so it's like he he spies on, in on her while she's in confession with uh, the Monsignor or Father. It's never really shown who it is that she is in confession with. Um, though a Monsignor has had been summoned to the church to to deal with everything. Um but he's he's trying to get the information from her because it's uh it's not really necessarily implied as much as it's straight up told. She knows exactly uh who had raped her 
and like could tell you their names, where they are, and like describe them up and down for you. But she is essentially keeping a vow of silence. Um, Kaitel is just getting like super fucking fed up with it. And finally, at one point, at the end of his fucking rope and over $120,000 in debt, because I'm sure that that uh, money lender guy is at like, this point, it was 60000 Yeah. Oh, okay. So the game hadn't played out just yet. Oh, but. that's true. That's true. So assuming they even took the bet. Right. Yeah. And they were, you know, still hearing him. Yeah. And, you know, it could be too, though, that they'd be like, okay, well, you lost 15,000. You didn't pay 15,000. Then you bet 30,000. You lost that. So now you're at 45. You know, so they could, they, it just kind of depends on how they do it. You know, especially if they just want him dead. You know, if they, if, if he just pisses them off that much, they'd be like, all right, well, you got to pay up, uh, say $200,000 or you're dead. This like, is well, how I, I win. Yep, like, oh, well, uh, he's either going to go ahead and kill himself trying to get that money to us, or we're just going to go ahead and kill him because he can't pay us. So it's the principle of the matter. The, the trash takes itself out, you know? So anyway, he ends up being at, like, the, the bottom of his fucking rope as far as that goes. Uh, of course, we we see that he can still drop from the rope as well. He uh, visits his, like, drug dealer friend. And, like, I don't know if it was, like, a loan or just, like, mm-hmm. money that was owed to him. Right. It gives him a, a very Catholic box. Yeah. Uh, filled with $30,000. Right. And then also some, like, some pills. Yeah, and then uh, Montecito gave him some pills, I guess. Yeah. Is smoke smoke that later when, when you feel like it. And at this point, he's, like, incredibly paranoid. You know? He's super-duper fucking paranoid. He's running around, like frantically he's constantly disheveled he's scratching himself yeah barely fucking uh sleeping as it was he's now just not unless he just passes the fuck out uh of which he he does at one point in the church um and uh that that fifty thousand dollars for finding the uh rapists as paid by the church boy that could really line his pockets up could uh could set him up on uh getting things paid off, you know? Yeah, might solve a lot of his problems. Yeah, might might do that for him. And so what what's what what the what 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 the fuck's he do, Brent? Uh you know, he goes to the nun. Yeah. While she's praying. And you know, he's like, look he just immediately interrupts her. Yeah, just kinda awkwardly hobbles down to the floor next to her. He's like, look, they're just gonna get run through the system. They're juveniles, they'll be out. Yep. Um, but you know, like I can do real justice. Yep. If you, you know, tell me I'll do real justice for you, you know, and you know, I guess implying that you would kill him. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, no, I've, I've already forgiven them. Yeah. Which is like extremely fucked up. Yeah. To think, but I guess uh, maybe a nun would do that. Maybe they wouldn't. Right, I think I think that it obviously one depends on the person, and also yeah, like I imagine it's a huge crisis of faith that yeah. would occur. Yeah, that's a different movie right there. Um, it really is. But yeah, she you know she's like, look, I. She says in like confession that they were needy kids, which yeah. I could see how this would probably rub people the wrong way. Oh yeah, considering she's you know defending basically defending her own rapists, which. Some people would probably rub a lot of people the wrong way. Just get that out of the way, I guess. Right. She's also a nun of the Catholic faith in the 90s in New York. Yeah. And it's I, I think that a lot of that is like the, the brainwashing of Catholicism as well at play here. 
Yeah, and you know, it's like she knows the kids, and pretty much just tells them that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give them up. Like, yeah. And matter of fact, you should just pray on that. <laughs> yeah, and then like leaves them with her rosary. Uh-huh. And yeah, he's kind of realizes that yeah, it's kind of. That's kind of it for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, the last thing that he had going for him. You know, he, he just could not. And yeah, it was a very cathartic moment that I guess you could probably call the climax of the film, honestly. Right, yeah. Uh, where he just finally just breaks down and lets it all out. <laughs> and then, you know, who else shows up in the church but Jesus? Yeah. Jesus himself, maybe literal, it's literal, actual human Jesus. It's you know, it depends on how you want to look at it. Maybe it's some uh, diluted drug-induced fever dream, right? Maybe it really is Jesus come down to you know visit him. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's honestly like however you want to look at it. Yeah, and yeah, he kind of he kind of just has a one-on-one with Jesus, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful scene, honestly. Like, uh, very. I th- I'm pretty sure Harvey Keitel did win some kind of an acting award for it. You would or at least he was nominated. Um, I know Scorsese said it was his favorite movie of the year. So which, hey, Marty Man saying your movies, shit. Right? Yeah, I, that's that's kind of a that's high praise. It's high praise. It takes place in New York. Yep. Uh, deals with Catholic guilt. Yep. Oh, he's all over that. I was gonna say that's Harvey Keitel like and Vic Argo in it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Was this was this made by Scorsese? Yeah, the New York cinematic universe. Oh, the <laughs> New Yorkiverse. <laughs> Get in here! Yeah. Hey, come on! <laughs> yeah, it's just a, I don't know. I got I I couldn't even do it justice. But like, it's just it, I don't know. It's it's a beautiful fucking scene, man. Yeah, yeah. Where he's just yelling at Jesus, uh, using for yeah, like asking anything? him. Yeah, just screaming for help, some kind of forgiveness. Yeah. Wondering, he calls him a rat fuck. And a rat fucker. Yeah. You rat fuck. Where the, you rat fucker, you fuck. And then, you know, when he realizes that's not getting him anywhere, you know, he's just like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, it, Jesus, sorry I called you a rat fucker, rat fuck. I just love the, there's so many bad things. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's so good. He's so good in this film. He's He's so emotive. And uh, you really do it's feel that same, It's that same crying he did at the end of Reservoir Dogs. Oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so fucking good. And it's just, like, so weird because it's just, like, yeah, this is this is a man who, pro- like, he literally has seen so many dead people in this movie already and seen such, like, terrible fucking acts. And uh, now he's crying because, you know, he's he's face-to-face with the terrible shit that he's done. Yeah, and just kind of realize that there's, you know, not really yeah, a realistic way out for him. Yeah. He goes through all that, and then he, you know, he but goes But he also to, put the stones on top of his own chest, too. Yeah. He buried himself. He goes up, you know, he tries to kiss Jesus' feet, looks up, and realizes it's a, it's a lady who wandered in with the, um, like, the holy chalice that was stolen and pawned off at a local pawn shop. Yep. She said she took it because it was her husband's shop. Uh-huh. She knew it was a holy, like, object, and she wanted to return it. She knew who sold it. Yep. And she leaves the LT there. Yeah. And he he performs what is probably uh, his most divine act in the film. Right. In yeah. his own weird, fucked up, 
twisted way. Yeah, it's so it's so fucking strange, you know, like after all of that and then like the the conclusion that he comes to. Yeah, he and how to solve the issue. He finds the boys hiding in the you know, a st- a like a, a textbook crack house. Yeah. Um you know, like uh sort of initiates an arrest sort of. But the game's still on. Yeah. The game's still on. You know, he's got money on that. So he handcuffs him to the couch, sits next to him, uh, smokes from their crack pipe. And he's yeah. like, hey, you want you want some good shit? Yeah. And, you know, he shares, he breaks bread of his own crack. Yeah. With these, these, uh, with these wretches. Yeah. Shares his crack with them. They watch the game. And then, you know, the game's over. He lost big time. Yep. And, you know, it's time to leave. He's got, and, uh, you think he's going to turn these kids in or something? Right. At least get that 50000 He's got 30000 He could at least pay 80000 right? Yeah. Maybe he'd get forgiven. Yeah, you know, maybe that would, you know. For being a dipshit if he was able to bring in $80,000 in cash. Maybe they'd just forget it. Yeah, you know, maybe they'd call it good. Uh, no, he, he drives them around for a bit, you know, and he kind of slaps them around, you know, points yeah. a gun at him. He's like, you pieces of shit, you motherfuckers. Yeah. Kind of tell Think him, like, about what you did. Yeah, like. Yeah, like, think about that. And, you know, she forgives you for all that. Yeah, how the fuck could she do that, you fucking heroes? Yeah, like, and then uh, takes them to a fucking bus station. Yep. Like, takes them to Penn Station to get on a bus. Uh, Yeah, takes them there, uncuffs them, slaps them around a bit, tells them, like, yeah, you're getting on this fucking bus, hands them his box with all the fucking money he has left. Yep. Hands it to these kids. Tells him to get on the fucking bus and get out of this town because there's nothing for him left. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no life for you here. Yeah. Uh, Stay here. You either die or, or yeah, just, you get sent through the system. Like, you'll be found. Yeah. Like, it's just, or, you know, just a cycle of that. Yeah. Um. So, the kids sends the kids on their way. Yep. He cries a little bit more and then leaves. <laughs> long, long shot of him walking away, too. Yeah. And then, uh, then the movie kind of ends. After uh, <laughs> after, uh, after he yeah. meets his end. Yeah, after a little crescendo, which um, he's had a friend that's essentially working as his middleman for the bookie that he owes all this fucking money to. And uh, the guy, I don't think the guy's name is actually ever brought up. I Probably could not. be wrong. Uh, but he's essentially a bookie or a middleman. And uh, he keeps trying to tell Lieutenant Kaitel, like, don't just stop, dude. You're so behind on all of this. Like... No, like you're burying yourself. Stop it. You're going to get fucking killed. You're like not these, untouchable. Yeah, these people do not give a shit if you're a cop. Yeah, like you're you're going to fucking die. And of course, you know, like the whole time it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get such a huge fucking payout. It's going to be awesome. And uh, what do you know? He just owes all that fucking money. He I gotta doesn't listen if, to like, his friend. I feel like he knew he was fucked up, but he didn't want to like admit it. Right, yeah. Or rather he just figured he could just weasel out of it somehow. Right, yeah. But, you know, it's like one of those things where like, the, the reality doesn't really set in yeah. until it's way too late. <laughs> yeah, like when you when you have done nothing but punch through rock bottom your entire life, there has to be a sort of system shock that comes over you when you, when you try to punch through again and you find your true rock bottom. You have no money. You have no leads. You owe tons of money. You're, uh... You're addicted to like several different substances. Your family hates you. You know, like you're never there for your kids. You're a terrible fucking detective. 
and uh like literally, you the, more or less... literally the best thing he could do in the movie was yeah give some like rapist a second chance at life right yeah <laughs> and it's just like that's so fucking awful like of all the things and uh you can't even really say like well that's what the nun wanted it's like the nun was catholic yeah you he know? even like brings up a good point it's like you know they could do it to somebody else yeah yeah like even if she did even if she did forgive them like would she be able to forgive herself if another person was to fall victim to these boys like whether she demands justice or not justice should be wrought correct right right however he takes that into his own hands and sends the boys on his way doing what he believed to be the righteous thing to do and so he gets into his fucking car and he's pretty much just sitting there thinking about how fucked he is thinking about his next move whatever that could be whatever it could possibly end up doing for him and uh, another car rolls up it says hey you fucking cop and blasts him in the fucking head yeah, and they actually filmed it uh, in front of like an act in front of penn station yeah uh in front of like un unknowing uh extras yeah yeah who you which know. that happened like throughout the film they just used like Real traffic and real people. And every once in a while, you'll catch, like, someone in the in the background, like, try to, like, look at the camera. Like, you know, there's a couple – like, a cab driver waves at the camera. It's a very uh, – I don't want to use lo-fi again, but it's very uh, kind of low-down, dirt, low dirty filmmaking. Yeah, it really is, yeah. So, like, a lot of these people probably didn't even realize that they were uh, more or less being used as part of the, the scenery and, and the city. Uh, in a fucking Harvey Keitel film. But uh, they were. And so uh, the film ends with a whole bunch of people not really certain as to what's going on, going over to this car, looking at someone who they believed to have been shot and killed. Like one woman is like literally basically borderline hysterical because there's blood splattered on the passenger side window. Harvey Keitel is laying down in the fucking driver's seat, you know, and he's maybe like waving up at her like, you know, I'm okay. But like, maybe he's not because it could fuck up the shot. Oh, he wouldn't fuck up the shot. And he wouldn't fuck up the shot. And so like, you know, you have all these fucking people. You got a delivery guy that comes in right before a truck goes by. He looks directly at the camera. He's like looking in the car and shit a little bit while after that, it, it just ends. And like, that's the final shot. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then we get uh that fucking Ferrara song. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it's just wow. Yeah, it's it's very different from uh from Protocol uh New Orleans. It's um it's yeah, a different beast entirely. It is, it is redemptive in a way, I guess, what he does. Yeah. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe they will turn things around. They do have thirty thousand fucking dollars between the two of them. Right. Maybe they get, you know. They're also addicted to drugs yep. in the 90s and uh, were essentially just like given a get out of jail free card by some fucking white guy that slapped him around a while. You know, like in a week, are they going to be like, wow, that was really fucked up. Oh, we've got all this fucking money. I guess we'll just, you know, take all this money. I'm fucking shaking real bad. Yeah, I got all this money. I'm shaking real bad. Probably just going to go ahead and go get fucking killed because they're going to roll up to you know, a random dealer with 30,000 fucking dollars in cash, 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? Or they're going to be like, here's a harebrained scheme. Let's buy $30,000 in drugs. We'll keep a little bit for ourselves and then we'll start getting our own handlers and, you know, start a, start a little There's a lot of ways you can go wrong. There's a lot of ways you can go good. Yeah. I just. We, we won't know. Yeah. It's a. Uh, but they, I guess they have a chance. I guess. Uh, the best thing I can say for them. Yeah. It's a problematic ending for a problematic <laughs> yeah. character. Yep. And a problematic story. That's, yeah. That's the best best thing that I can say about this film is that it's uh, true to its character the entire time. What a great film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, just it's great in its own right, aside from, you know, like uh, Port of Call of New Orleans, like two very different films about very similar characters. Yeah, it's like little do we know that like Nick Cage already did his like redemptive act in like the first scene in the movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's just, yeah, fucking wild. But yeah, I think that's about it. Um, if you aren't necessarily like uh, put aside by um the various content warnings, there's you know the the rape. There's like the literal rape of a nun. There's well, there's an end bomb, of course. There's lots of violence, a ton of drug use. Like I myself have lost a couple friends to heroin overdose and there's a lot of shooting up in this, but there's a lot of shooting up in everything. So it's, it's one of those things that when you enjoy movies and TV, you're just going to see that everywhere. Yeah. So it's not something that is really, uh, fucked with me super hard it's just shocking every time you see it uh especially like literally the last like drawing blood into the needle the last like freebasing scene is kind of hard for me to watch yeah it's uh it's pretty rough so it's not nearly as bad as say like uh requiem for a dream levels of drug use but it's up there it's up there (laughs) um it's probably knocking on the door but that's about it uh yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, I just I like movies that uh, you know it's about these really petty, shitty crimes happening, like when he you know rips off that gas station or that bodega for like yeah. five hundred bucks or so. Yep. By you know getting the owner out of there and telling the thieves to hand it over. Yeah, and then to get the fuck out. Like after like threatening them with that gunshot, yeah, eating a cupcake, telling the telling the bodega owner's daughter like his her dad will be uh back soon. Yeah, after he yeah steals some cookies. Yeah, just I and mean, yeah, just wow. uh, uh, well, I mean, it was never really a small amount, not by our standards at least. Yeah, but just a gambling debt that just keeps piling up because you're too fucking stupid or ornery or headstrong, stubborn. Yeah, just you're not right in the head to just you know not cut your losses right yeah if addiction <laughs> was a person yeah it's this man i mean his only way really to i guess find redemption was to give away all his earthly possessions and yeah. i kind of realized that his bed was already made yeah i mean like if it wasn't the addiction to gambling that was going to kill him it was going to be his drug addiction right you know and that's another thing too uh the character zoe played by um zoe, zoe. yeah who played Ms. 45 in uh, Abel, one of Abel Farrar's previous films. Yeah, had quite a bit of experience in using heroin. And you had said she was an advocate for heroin yeah, use? Yeah, if you go on her IMDb page and look at her trivia, it says something like she like advocated, openly advocated the use of heroin. But then I guess she, uh, late in the 90s, she um, kind of 
got off with it and yeah. switched to cocaine instead, I think. And yeah, she died of like heart failure or some shit. Yeah. At like 36. It'll fucking catch up to you real fast. Sometimes faster than you expect. And it's just, uh, it's really too bad. But yeah, it's just like, literally, if it wasn't one thing, it was going to be the other. And so you're just kind of, um, I think that part of the the draw to the character and the film itself is immediately when it starts, someone lights the fuse to a stick of dynamite and you don't know how long the fuse is yeah. because it's constantly off screen. <laughs> Sorry. And you're just um, constantly wondering when you're going to hit that kaboom. <laughs> and it, I honestly didn't really know if we were going to see it. You know what I mean? Like I thought that he was just going to either sit in his car and just yeah, if it were gonna be like a happy ending, you think that like you know maybe things would all work out for him somehow, right? Like maybe he sits in his car, he's staring, music starts up, and he drives off, and you're like, maybe he got his shit together, maybe he got killed, you know, like kind of leaving it very open ended. You know, he meets a very uh, logical end that somebody like that might meet. Yeah, yeah, it's it was it was good, it was good. I think that's that's about what I've got to say in uh. In closing, thankfully, we still have Harvey Keitel, and he's still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in The Irishman, so... For a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was it was cool to to kind of go back and see, like, a younger Keitel uh, playing such a fucking awful character. Uh, yeah, check out, uh, check out Mean Streets. Mean Streets. Mean Streets. It was, like... I guess it was technically uh, Scorsese's second feature. Okay. It was probably, like, his first, like, big one. Yeah. Um... He actually had worked with him before uh, in some, like, short films in, like, the late 60s. Okay. That Kaitel was in. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, really great in Mean Streets. Uh, you can kind of you kind of see his mannerisms in the movie. Yeah. And you know that, like, Mean Streets was sort of based on, like, Scorsese growing up in New York. And you see his mannerisms. And it's, like, Kaitel playing, like, a cool a cooler version of <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Right. Yeah. Even though like, yeah. Him and his giant fucking schnoz. Yeah. I don't know. He's great in that movie. <laughs> really, really charming. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a fucking Brent recommendation right there. Hell yeah. I recommend both bad Lieutenant movies. <laughs> oh yeah. For, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I think that's, that's all we've got in closing. Any, any final thoughts, Brent? Not that I've already said. Yeah. Again, I wish I could get like the unedited of original NC seventeen version. Yeah. As it was originally intended, with the schoolie D track. Yeah. But um, you know, it's probably not gonna happen anytime soon. Hard to fucking come by. Yeah, if you if you find it somewhere I think you could probably you could probably <laughs> um search the naughty uh pirate piratey sites for like a blu-ray or uh laser disc rip right if you uh if you happen upon a vhs from a derelict uh vhs rental store shoot us an email at podcast for two people <laughs> at gmail.com maybe that, maybe we will take the road trip down to hold it maybe we'll we'll try and procure it i don't know it's kind of a novelty these kinds of things you know uh finding a movie finding out that it had all these different cuts and uh, you know, wanting to see the original vision that the director had in mind, it's uh, it's a very interesting thing. Very yeah. interesting thing. Other than that, like you know, like I just gotta say, my man Kaitel, uh, he had a this was like a he had like a really good run in like the early nineties because he had a hard time in the eighties. 
Um, it was really cool to see. Like he came out with this. Yeah. Um, Bad Lieutenant. Uh, I think Reservoir Dogs was the same year. That's a pretty good year. Uh-huh. And then I rewatched Pulp Fiction again. I know like it's cool to like hate Quentin Tarantino now because he does say a lot of dumb shit. It's like I want to like him. He's but a any- dipshit. He puts his own like foot in his mouth. Fetish. Hey-o. Pun intended. But like. Um, Reservoir Dogs does still slap though. Reservoir Dogs slaps. He's in that one fucking scene or like parties in and uh, yeah. Pulp Fiction is just so fucking cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From dust to dawn, kind of, kind of, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, he plays a more like subdued character. It's, um, he was originally going to play uh, Captain Willard in Apocalypse Now. Uh, so he either cool. got like fired or he walked. Wow. Yeah. And like, I, I know, wonder why. I wonder what the story is behind that. I can't remember. I, I think he, history would be very different. I think I thought I heard he was like fired, but then he said like, no, I walked. So there's like kind of conflicting info. I don't think it's. 100% out there. Right. There was definitely something. I know he said that, like, he, uh, like, the working conditions, like, sucked ass. And he's just like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, I mean, it's Apocalypse Now. It's yeah. fucking, I can't even imagine what Probably have to deal with Marlon Brando's that. shit. Ugh. Like, oh, I want to play this with a, I want to, I want to, I want to be in the darkness. Don't ever look at me. <laughs> and, like, um, I don't know. No disrespect. No disrespect to the Brando. No disrespect, because I respect him. But, um, yeah, he would have played a lot different. Because, uh, you know, uh, um, Martin Sheen, you know, he had yeah. he brought a lot of, like, ambiguity to the character. Yeah. I also don't know if uh, Kaitel would have done that awesome, like, impromptu uh, intro of the film. Right. Which is, like, amazing. Still, like, some of the best. I don't know if it's, like, film bro to say, but it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I watch that film every few years, and it's just, like, better each goddamn time. Just hits different. So yeah, this is the part of the episode where we talk about everything else, but the movie we covered. Right. I think that's. <laughs> I think I've covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll cover Apocalypse Now in the future, and we'll have more to speak on as far as that goes. That sounds fucking cool. That seems like a logical conclusion to come Somewhere. to. Uh. But uh. Yeah. I think that's about it. As always, thank you so much for listening to podcasts for two people and. Uh, getting interested in films that pique our interest. And uh, if you have a movie that you'd like us to look at because you thought it was cool and thing that we might think is cool, you should send us an email at podcast for two people at gmail.com. And uh, if you don't have something you'd like to recommend to us, uh, then that's fine too. We'll keep coming out with stuff. And if we're not covering send movies, send us your shit, emails. Yeah, send us emails. Your electronic you could, M's. You could send me literally just the word taint. And I'd be like, ha that made my day. File that under the important folder. It would be. A hundred percent. Otherwise, um, you could check out myself or Brent streaming on Twitch. Our uh, links are in the show notes, as always. If you're on a podcast thing that doesn't have show notes, mine's just Mendachi. So when's your next stream, Tyler? uh hopefully uh, tomorrow actually yeah. hopefully tomorrow i've uh i've actually freed open i've pushed a lot of shit out of well, the you way. say saturday but yeah we're recording this friday yeah so it'll probably have already happened yeah damn yeah yeah uh hopefully every saturday basically i'm just i'm just trying to pressure you into streaming more is all yeah yeah i need to i've done just, a while you Working sixty-hour work weeks, got multiple projects. I'm putting my 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 neck on the line for. It's uh, it's been it's been crazy. 
but uh, it's it's exciting. Lots of exciting things to come. But uh, yeah, otherwise, um, yours is uh, Cyber Brent. Just Cyber Brent. Cyber Brent. Mine's Just... mine's weird. <laughs> It'll be in the description. It'll be like in the, the last, description. Like the last oh yeah. One. Also, the Teespring. Teespring is in our description as well. Be the first one on your block to rock the new hoodie. Yeah, like as uh, as designed by our good friend Mark Warm, who also you may have noticed. We have new podcast art for our logo. Yeah, hopefully it's actually showing up on all the platforms. It I is. actually checked. Okay. Even I even iTunes. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> like wild, right? I thought we had that like I thought I still had that old one. That... The old one of you, me, and Nick Cage. That yeah, you remember Caitlin. when we were hanging out in the darkness? There was a little bit of light in that room. Yeah. No, yes. no, I mean that it was just a black backdrop oh, and I, I cropped yeah. all of us together. Well, we can always I mean see we were eyeballs. there. Yeah, it was yeah. a real thing to happen. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um yeah, he's a he's a fantastic artist, uh music artist as well. If you check out Dead Hawk literally anywhere, especially on Bandcamp, uh, you know, check him out. I think you might dig it. He's also uh on our relaxer episode that we did. Oh yeah. Back uh, in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. I love that guy. Uh, some final remarks. Yeah. Um I feel like this is gonna be in the movie, the movie list we do. Except yeah. for an episode, it'd be like we'll title it like the '90s, the right. best decade for film? Question mark. And question mark. The thumbnail. Face. The thumbnail will be us. Yeah, just soy facing. Uh, yeah, taxi driver sucked me off. <laughs> but it's uh, this Robert one weird with this one weird, this one weird trick. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Put yeah. I don't know, maybe that'll happen someday. But perhaps. That'd not, be cool. Not this day. We are leaving. Um, so, farewell, adieu, ciao, even. A Vita Jane. Off a Vita C hand. Bye bye. As I told one of my hoes before you left, I should have kicked your ass, my motherfucking self. <laughs>